You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 18. The Sixth Floor. A novelty magnet from Dallas, Texas, attaches a recipe for almond and clementine cake to our refrigerator. The magnet shows in stylized form the moments Jack Ruby assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald on the 24th of November 1963. The picture misses out a detail of little interest to Americans, but possibly intriguing to Brits of a certain age. In 2015, the company I worked for bought out a US software house, and that November they sent me on a two-week secondment to train staff at their office in Richardson, a suburb of Dallas. People like me, who have visited New York, are often under the impression that they've somehow done America. What they don't realise is that, culturally speaking, New York City is a relatively liberal, secular outpost of Europe. The heartlands, or flyover states, are another country. I always hesitate to criticise another person's home, and during my two-week stay, I may have missed out on its Latin quarter or its vibrant jazz scene, but my own experience of Richardson was a town where hope goes to die. With its strip malls and identical office buildings, I could have been anywhere a thousand miles north or west. Realtors have sold its level featureless landscape dotted with tech companies as Silicon Prairie, but I wasn't convinced. To an effete Brit like me, Richardson is a giant sprawling Stevenage, albeit with slightly better restaurants. With not much to do in the evenings, I sat in my hotel room flipping channels. If you're angry with the BBC and how much they allegedly pay Gary Lineker, an evening trying to find something, anything to watch on an American television will surely cure your animosity towards the licence fee. So I resorted to reading and watching old episodes of The Fast Show on YouTube. And by Thursday, the yawning chasm of the weekend looked like a two-day hell. But I was a metro ride away from Dallas Central. Why not, I decided, take a trip into J.R. Ewing's home city and perhaps finally solve the question of who shot Kennedy. A few decades before, I'd seen Oliver Stone's JFK at the Odeon Swiss Cottage because everyone remembers where they were when they first saw Oliver Stone's JFK. And I left the cinema sceptical of both the film and the conspiracy theories it perpetuated. So on Saturday, I got up early and caught the tram into Dallas to see the place for myself. I expected to spend an hour there, followed by a look around the rest of the city, then lunch. Instead, I stayed the whole day. Elm Street, where JFK met his end, looks exactly the same as it did on November the 22nd, 1963. When a national tragedy occurs, it is common for a shrine or statue to commemorate the event. But in the case of JFK's death, the whole area has become the shrine. Here is the picket fence. Just below is the grassy knoll, and over there is Dealey Plaza, where the lone-uniformed cop frantically tried to clear the area in the middle of Elm Street, an X marks the spot where the second bullet took away half the president's brain. I would look at all of these later, 
but first I visited the Sixth Floor Museum, formerly the Texas School's Book Depository. It's easily the best museum I've ever visited. Using exhibits, relics from the day and audio-visual displays, it quietly takes you through the two days from the Kennedys arriving in Dallas, through the shooting of Lee Harvey Oswald, all the way to the aftermath and the theories surrounding JFK's assassination. The centrepiece of the museum is the reconstructed Fox's Lair by the sixth floor window. I looked out of the window at the X in Elm Street below and at once solved the mystery of who shot Kennedy. It was Lee Harvey Oswald with a rifle from the sixth floor window of the Texas School's book depository. If you ever see footage of Elm Street, be it in a modern day reconstruction or there's a prude of footage of the assassination, you get very little sense of how compact the whole area is. It's a narrow street off the beaten track, the kind of insignificant thoroughfare in fact where you might find a building used to store school books. The book depository looks for all the world like the humdrum municipal facility it was built as, with low ceilings and windows hard by the street. Oswald was an ex-marine with gun skills assessed by the US military as sharpshooter. But looking out of that sixth floor window on a November morning, I concluded that at that distance even I was in with a chance of hitting a president in a slowly moving motorcade. In fact, the biggest question was how well within living memory a president could tour a city where no one did a security sweep of an empty building on his advertised route. Having done the museum and the gift shop, I had a look around the rest of Elm Street. Standing on the grassy knoll on the point where Zapruder thought he was shooting a cheerful souvenir of the day, another mystery arose. Why could I not name a single knoll grassy or otherwise, anywhere else in the world. Then I did what everyone does when standing on that spot. I videoed Elm Street from my phone. But by now it was starting to get dark. In the main square of Old Dallas, old in Texas meaning before 1950, volunteers were setting up soup kitchens. Half an hour later, I beheld the largest mass of homeless people I had ever seen. India included in the oil capital of the richest nation on earth. One morning the following week, some of my trainees were in deep discussion about politics. The previous night, they had watched the Republican Party candidates debate and were arguing the toss over whether Donald Trump might make a better president than Ted Cruz. I know we revere men like JFK, possibly too much or too nostalgically, but the contrast between the previous weekend and these two nice normal people weighing up a demented crook against a dim charlatan merely showed the downward slope of American politics. Who would you vote for? One of them asked me. Um, Adlai Stevenson, I replied, like a smart-ass trying to avoid a political row. And the detail missing from the fridge magnet? Standing with the press corps, Looking on as Jack Ruby dispatched the prime suspect was John Ravenscroft, a young English DJ later known as John Peel. That was The Sixth Floor, written and read by Matthew Diamond. 
If you enjoyed this, then why not hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.